0: Jamie and I'm the Unicorn Recruiter. I've worked in global talent acquisition for 15 years both as an in-house and as an agency recruiter. I'm also a leadership development coach and I now help companies hire their top talent also known as unicorns and help job seekers find their next position. Join me each week for tips and tricks and how to navigate not only finding your next position but also career development. This is the Unicorn Recruiter podcast. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Unicorn Recruiter Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about biases in recruiting. Um, so this could easily be like an hour-long podcast, so um, it's not going to be. <laughs> Buckle up. Um, so it is is going to be a little bit longer than my typical episodes. Um, I have covered this topic over the last several years. Um, I've written articles on it. Um, gosh, I've taught courses on it, um, and I, yeah, it's one of those topics that it, it can be a little touchy um, unless you've truly been affected by it, and I think in a lot of cases most people don't know if they have been or not, um, and I, I say that because it, as, inter- as a candidate interviewing with a company, you don't necessarily know all the behind the scenes things that go on. You don't know the discussions. You, know, you probably don't see the biases. Um, you know, the recruiting and HR people are probably the ones that are most affected by it. Um, I quite honestly have stopped working, working with clients because of it. Um, you know, over the years, it's, it's one of those things that you probably see more in um, recruiting and HR or as a hiring manager than you would see as a candidate. But I still think it's something that we should all be aware of because everyone works. And at some point, you may be in a position of hiring um, or a team member on an interview panel. So it's something that I like to you know, educate people on and have people be familiar with because whether or not you know, they experience it themselves, um, I don't want people participating in it either. <laughs> so you know, the more we are aware of our own biases um, and and of others and can call them out and kind of you know, keep each other accountable, I think the, the better um, things things get. So there's no improvement if we don't admit that there are some issues in the first place. So when I talk about unconscious biases, I'm talking about things that we are biased against that we don't even know. And in some cases we might, like there's a couple, and I think people kind of do know, but they just don't know that it's actually a bias. Um, So, you know, there's a ton, but I'm going to cover some specifically. Um, The first one um, is age bias. So I talked about this a little bit in a social media post on LinkedIn last year, and it kind of blew up a little bit. And I, I will tell you, you know, there were a lot of people that chimed in and said, yeah, I know I was discriminated against because of my age and the hiring manager. Um, you know, flat out said, like, how long till you retire, which, by the way, can never be asked in an interview. Um, but I will say from my, my perspective as both an internal and external recruiter, the age biases that I see are often not younger people discriminating against older candidates it is usually, again, this is my experience, but usually it is older hiring managers that discriminate against people that are their same age or slightly younger. Um, and I say that because I there's a lot of this within an internal organization, like succession planning and planning for the future and, you know, hiring for your backfill and making sure that there's your runway on your team that if, you know, if someone were to leave, you have longevity, you have you know, people that can step in. Um, and I, I see this more with the older managers um, that they don't want to hire someone their age or slightly younger because they they know that they're knocking on a retirement's door. They don't want to put someone in, in a you know, potential succession position. That is only going to be around for a couple of years. How I combat that is, you know, the average tenure in a position is what 18 months, 24 months, maybe 36 months for lucky three years. Um, you know, most people don't stay in a position for 25 years. Um, that just doesn't really happen anymore. Um, so that's one of the things that I typically discourage against. The other thing is, you know, we don't know how long someone wants to work and. I've had people that were, you know, five years into their career and all of a sudden came into a huge inheritance and decided that they were done working. Doesn't happen all often, but it does. Um, Or they completely changed careers 12 months in. I have hired plenty of recruiters in my time that, you know, had HR degrees or had marketing degrees and thought that they wanted to be in recruiting. And six months, 12 months, a year, year and a half in, they said it wasn't for them and they checked out. Um, So, you know, age really has nothing to do with someone's longevity in a position. I think, um, you know, typically in these types of situations, I've guided the hiring manager to ask questions more along the lines of, you know, what type of career development are you seeking? What professional development are you seeking? What can I offer you? And if that matches with what the candidate is looking for, then I don't care if they are 63 and a half, they're 75, you know, if they can do the job, they're qualified and what they're looking for in terms of career and professional development match what that position is looking for, it should not matter how old they are. So I have hired people older than me. I have hired people decades older than me. I have seen other managers hire people much, much older than them. Um, Not saying that younger managers don't discriminate against people that are older, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in my experience, it's typically the older managers that are looking for someone younger that can kind of step into their role should they retire or move on to a different position again my experience not saying that's always the case it goes always um the other one that i see quite a bit is called like the like me bias and um there's a couple different names for this but like me is the one that i've um heard the most and the one that i use and i see this a lot specifically in technical um, industries where managers want to hire someone with a very similar background to them or a very similar background to their team. And I see this a lot in IT, in engineering, in some of those really niche technical areas. They want candidates from specific colleges, they want college athletes, or they want people that have been on um, you know, multiple clubs or specific types of clubs in college or have come from specific companies. And those are one of the things that I really strongly advise against. And for a few reasons, if we only hire from ivy league colleges for example we're going to predominantly get one type of candidate we're not getting diverse candidates everyone on the team is going to look the same um just economic factors there's racial factors that come into play there um and i would say i I see this a lot like i said specifically in technical areas where uh, a college is really well known for one specific program or a couple specific technical programs and the, the urge to go and recruit out of that particular university or out of another company is really strong um, so this is something where you know kind of your diversity and inclusion metrics come in and your those efforts where you need to look at multiple, multiple different colleges you need to look at different technical programs you need to look at different backgrounds um, to fill some of those positions so that you don't end up with you know, 17 people on a team that all have the same educational background and um, you know, you really have no diversity and no out-of-the-box thinking because everyone has a very similar background. Um, The other that I see quite a bit is Halo and Horns. Um, And (laughs) this this typically, like, I've obviously been a a tech recruiter for a very long time, so I speak specifically to that industry, but I have seen it in other industries as well where, you know, the Halo is, there can be so many red flags about a candidate. I've seen candidates that had, you know, multiple, multiple job changes in one year. I had one candidate that I don't think worked longer than three or four months in a year, um, but they had a, or didn't work longer at one company for more than three or four months, so they had like three or four jobs in the last year. Um, But they had a very niche technical skill set, a technology that wasn't incredibly, incredibly prevalent. And that piece, that technical skill outweighed all the other red flags. Um, And the other red flags were, you know, the position was on site. They were going to have to move across the country. Um, They hadn't had to move for any of their other jobs. They had been in the same city forever and ever. Couldn't really give a reason why they'd want to move other than the fact that maybe they, you know, exhausted their options in their area because they had changed jobs three or four times in that last year. Um, And the team wanted to move forward and hire them because they had this skill set. So it's stuff like that that you know the the halo shows up because they've got one really specific skill set that we're looking for um, that anything else just kind of falls falls to the wayside. The horns um, effect is where there's one piece where we're kind of on the fence about and it overshadows all of the other positives of the candidate. So I have seen this before in that um, the candidate was going to have to drive 45 minutes in one way for a job. So we decided we didn't want to move forward with them, even though they were great, because we didn't think that they would want to drive or um, or relocate, even though they had told us multiple times that they were open to, um, you know, just things like that, that kind of outsh- outshine um, the good aspects that the candidate has to offer. Um, the other one, I did write an article about this. It's in the Thompson Reuters Cost Management um, All Women's Edition for 2023. So there's a plug for for that magazine. But um, I spoke specifically about gender bias, and um, yeah, I again speaking specifically to the tech and manufacturing industry. You know, when we would get in, you know, as a recruiting team, or in, we would meet with the hiring managers and the interview team, and we would get a position in for, you know, a Project manager or an IT developer or an engineer, and I would meet with the team and they would say, You know, when this candidate comes in and he has this and we're looking for this in him, and it was all male pronouns, um, but then I would get in an HR position or um, an admin position and she, she will be able to do this. (laughs) She should have this experience. Um, You know, we already put that gender bias in our mindset that we were going to hire predominantly male for technical skill sets or female for um, you know, your more stereotypical female roles. Um, so I, um, years ago, switched to only using they, them pronoun, pronouns when I was talking about positions. Um, but you know, there's also some gender bias that kind of comes into play that you know, we just, we don't really necessarily know that we do. And um, one of the examples that I gave um, specifically in my, in my article was I was interviewing for a position with a you know, male manager and he used sports acronyms and sports metaphors and there were some that I just had no idea. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean because I'm female and I don't know about sports. I just don't specifically follow those sports. I do follow other sports. Um, I don't follow golf. I I did not know what a mulligan was, I had to go look it up. Um, so. You know, it's those types of things that, you know, just being more aware of some of the terminology that you're using, some of the assumptions that you're using, um, it, not trying to paint the picture of the candidate and choose the gender before the candidates even show up. Um, and then, you know, just speaking to the candidates when they're there as real people um, is, is something that I think um, we could probably do a little bit to combat some of that gender bias. Um, and then lastly, the last one I'm going to talk about today is name bias. Um, and I do see this a lot, um, or I guess I have seen this a lot now that I'm not now that I'm on my own, not as much, but um, you know, candidates that have different names. And this brings into play um, racial and cultural bias. And I you know I've coached new recruiters and I've you know, worked with new recruiters who have said, Jimmy, I'm not calling this candidate because I don't know how to say their name. I have done this for a very long time and um, I will tell you that I've never had one person ever be offended. When I called them, they answered and I said, hi, this is Jamie. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your name. Can you please tell me how to pronounce your name so I don't butcher it? And um, every candidate I've done that to has said, yeah, absolutely. Or call me Joe, that's my nickname. or. I go by my middle name it's just i put my professional or my full name on my resume or something like that i've never had a candidate once ever 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 be offended and um you know i think when we see names that aren't your stereotypical uh, i'm just just gonna say um, english names right um you know there's there's that bias because we either automatically assume um that they are of a different background or they're, in a lot of cases, um, I've seen recruiters and hiring managers assume that they're not U.S. citizens and that they can't work for a company that doesn't offer sponsorship. Um, and there's that hesitation to, to call someone and not know how to pronounce their name. So um, use my tip if that is the case and I do ask them, yeah. how do I pronounce your name? I've never had anyone be offended. So um, those are the major major biases that I see um, in recruiting. There are plenty of others that we could go into into detail. Um, maybe I'll do a, another one another um, episode on um, biases. But these are the main ones that I run into. I hope that this helps. Um, you know, the more that we talk about our biases and the things that we run into and the things that we see and hold ourselves and each other accountable, I think the better um, the job market will get for all of us. So. Um, Keep all of these in mind the next time you are interviewing candidates for another position. And I hope that you all have a great week.